0: All right. Good morning, everyone. I want to take just a moment today. Many of you may not know that this particular Sunday, October 10th, is Pastor Appreciation Day, and I would like to take a moment to honor our senior pastor, Brooks Kale. So thank you so much. For that was really hard to do. Um, but... Uh, no, I mean, he's served here for over 19 years, going on 20 years now. Um, I have never been around a leader that's as humble as Brooks, and he always just wants to know how you're doing and just is incredible at building relationships. And not only Pastor Brooks, I'm going to take a moment, too. I want to honor all our pastors. Adam, I know he came up here on Fridays, our day off, and he, he's running all around because he wants it to be perfect. And he worked so hard to get it right for this stage and online and all these different things he has to do. So, Adam, thank you for what you do, too. Yeah. And then for Eric, who, you know, is teaching our students but then rushes over here to play the guitar during the second hour and doesn't just take a break on Sunday mornings and for sharing his talents with us, thank you, Pastor Eric, for what you do as well. So God bless you. And Jason, where's Jason? Jason in here? He's probably skipping my sermon. But uh, Jason, too, I mean, he just got back from a trip, and you know, it means so much to him to get connected with new people that he's going to give up a Sunday afternoon. you know, he didn't have to put on this class, but to do a connections class because it's big on his heart. So wherever Jason's at, uh, thank you for him too. so And as far as me, when I came on staff, Pastor Brooks said, you know, everybody here kind of has their extra thing that they do. Everybody's really talented. Like, Eric's incredibly talented. Every time, you know, we'll be like, yeah, I used to, you know, so-and-so did skydiving. Eric's like, well, I did skydiving for three years. I mean, like, he's done everything. And uh, Pastor Brooks is like, well, we'll find out over time what's that extra thing that you do. Come to find out it's just putting on funny costumes. And uh, so that's kind of become my extra thing. So at least I'm good at something. Yeah, so absolutely. But. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to get to minister today. If the screens don't work, that's okay. Uh, I'm just going to, maybe this is why God led me to do this. I'm just going to literally, I have no notes. Uh, There's some things for the screen, but I'm just going to preach through a passage. That's it. I know when I love to do discipleship one-on-one, I love to just walk through a passage with somebody. And when I was in Bible college, one of my favorite classes was on the book of Romans. And literally the professor just walked us through every verse, all 16 chapters in Romans. And Romans, we did that for a whole week, and I loved it. It was incredible. So if you have a Bible today or your phone, whatever you got, you can turn it to Second Peter chapter 1. And we're going to work through 3 through 11. I'm going to try to move quickly to cover all nine of these verses. First, I'm going to read it all the way through. We'll pray, and then we'll take it piece by piece, verse by verse. Starting in verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, by, be all the more eager to make your calling an election for sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to dig into your word today, God. And we just pray that you would be the sole focus this morning. The way you reveal yourself is through these pages, through these words. And so, God, I just pray that you would just reveal yourself loud and clear as we work through them, God. Lord, may we hear your word, and may we take it and allow it to transform our lives, to help us make changes, God, so we can look more like you, so we can also help others around us know you and grow close to you, God. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I don't know if the screens are working, but I had this really cute picture of me I was going to show you guys. Not from recent. It was like from when I was a little kid. All right. So, uh, you know, I don't have any cute pictures. Oh, is it? it's on the back screen if you want to turn around. So everybody can say, oh, all right. Yeah, that's me when I was younger. Yeah. Look, I was all dressed for Easter and everything. Wow. Yeah. So that's incredible. Now, um, if I were to ask you guys, you know, how old would you think I was in that picture? You'd probably say six or so. But what if I were to tell you that I was 16 years old when they took that picture? You'd be like, yeah, right. Either one, you're lying, or two, there's something wrong with you. Well, there is something wrong with me. But, but no, I mean, you would know that's not what a 16-year-old looks like. All right? I mean, that kid was born to be handsome. So my kids always make fun of me. My boys are like, you were handsome once, Dad? I'm like, yeah, I still am. And my, you know, my oldest son's always like, but you have no hair. So apparently hair makes you handsome. I didn't know that, so I got a toupee coming next week. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you would say there's no way that kid's 16. Now, if we were to move this into spiritual birth, I, from John chapter 3, we know that once you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus says that you are born again. You start a new life. So for a lot of us, we've been Christians for a long time. Let's say 16 years or more. For some, a lot longer. We've been Christians for a long time. But if you were to look at us in our spiritual age, some of us might appear a lot younger than we actually are. You know, we might be 16, 20, 30 years down the road in our spiritual walk, but we might look more like we're 5 or 6-year-olds spiritually. In fact, I remember telling my father before he passed away, The thing that has most disappointed me in life is how immature adults are. I really thought adults were going to have it together. Like, I "I can't wait to be an adult. It's so awesome. And I'm one of the immature ones. I'm not separating myself. But I just thought, man, adults, they're they're spectacular. They got it all together. Look at all the things that they've done in this world. And then you come to find out it's like junior high school all over again. You know, it's like, what? I really thought adults would be more mature, especially adults within the church. But over the past 20 years that I've gotten to do ministry, I've witnessed a lot of spiritual immaturity, even on my part, just arguing over things that don't matter. You know, people getting emotional about things that have nothing to do with eternity, just being nearsighted and blind to what's actually going on, focusing so much on ourselves and less on what needs to be done out there, and, and that saddens me. I think what happens is we get stagnant in our faith, stagnant, and that's the name of this sermon that I'm going to preach this morning is stagnant. The word stagnant means to show no activity, to be dull or to be sluggish. For a lot of us, we started our faith with Jesus and at some point we've just kind of stalled out. We've kind of gotten stuck in our faith. Now my wife, she used to work with this young lady uh, in the hospital and I remember one time overhearing her say, they were talking about spiritual things, and she said, oh, yeah, having a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did that once when I was nine years old at a VBS. I, I got it right. I'm good to go. She's never done anything else in her Christian walk. And for a lot of us, that's how our Christian life works. We were born again. We started on that step of faith, and then as far as climbing that ladder or climbing those stairs, that was kind of it. We're just kind of stuck. You know, maybe you've been coming to church on a regular basis, but honestly, going to church every Sunday, that's not what's going to help you grow the most. And for a lot of us, that's why we are stagnant in our faith. Now, all sprinkled throughout this passage today, I was going to separate it all out, but it was kind of a mess because Peter's thoughts go back and forth. So what I'm going to do is during this message, I want you to look for three things, and you can write these down when you find them, kind of make it a little treasure hunt, all right, kind of hunt and pick for these things. I want you to look for the reasons why we are stagnant. What are some reasons why we are stagnant? What are the results of us staying stagnant, being stuck in the spot? And in three, what are the remedies? What are the remedies? How can we get away from being stagnant? How can we become more productive? How can we grow in our faith? Because here's the thing. We are supposed to look more and more and more like Jesus. So let me ask you, do you you look more like Jesus than you did three years ago? Do you look more like Jesus than you did five years ago? If you don't, you're stuck. If you're still struggling with the same sins, struggling with the same emotions, same things that you struggled with three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, then you're stagnant in your faith. You haven't grown. You haven't moved on. For a lot of us, we think it's just a personality thing. Well, yeah, I just run my mouth. You know how it is. That's a sin. It's not a personality thing. Our personalities, our lives should now reflect Christ, and we should look more and more and more like him. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it doesn't say work for our salvation. You can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift given to you. But just like muscles, as you can tell, I really have, all right, they're there. You've got to work them out in order to grow them in order to make them stronger you've got what you need we're going to talk about that in a second you've got what you need to grow in god you've got to work it out and we should do it with fear and trembling in reverent awe and wonder of god so let's move this passage help me find the reasons we're stagnant the results were stagnant we're stagnant and the remedies verse 3 second peter chapter 1 his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power, this is the word deutamus, all right, a dynamite kind of power. Now we would read in Ephesians 1:19 and 20 that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you and me. Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how much power it would take to raise somebody from the dead? I mean, if you ever watch the hospital show, you know they shock him with the paddles. That's a lot of power. But I'm talking three days somebody was dead and he came back to life. That's a supernatural kind of power. That kind of power lives in you and me. And we don't even think about tapping into it. We don't even think about what are the things that God could powerfully do through me? How could God change this world through me? Have you ever just dreamt about what God can do? Like, what are some things God could do through me if I, if I just allowed him to move through me? What are some things that God could accomplish? And here's the thing. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I'll talk more about godliness later. But everything we need for life, an abundant life that, John, that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. That he came to give us not just life, but an abundant life, a life in abundance. Through him, with him. You know, when a baby's born, a baby has everything it needs for life. It may not come out with teeth, it may not come out with hair, but guess what? It's there, it's coming. You don't have to add teeth or add hair to a baby, they're going to have it. When you are born, again, when you start a relationship with Christ, everything you need is given to you at that point. Now, I want you to think about this. Here we are, we're reading 2 Peter, all right? So this is probably written in the mid-60s, all right, A.D., right? Second, Peter doesn't even have the revelation that John has. We have more revelation than probably Peter did. Now, Peter got to walk with Jesus. We didn't get to do that, but we get to read all about it. But we've been given all this revelation. We have Bibles How many of you guys probably have two or three of these at your house? I don't know why, but people think pastors love to receive Bibles as gifts. I've got about nine or ten of these on my shelf, all right? Like, all different translations, all different verses. I have several at home. It's like, thank you. We do have Bibles, all right? But there are other gifts, you know, just money's fine, all right? So, um, you know, but like... we. We, we have this. We can all write, it, carry around these books. Back then, if Peter would write this letter, all the churches in Asia Minor, Greek and Jewish churches, they'd write them down and pass them around. Same thing with Paul. Write it down, pass it around. You'd want to hear it so you'd show up to the assembly that weekend and be like, you've got to tell me more. You've got to tell me more. They would repeat things. They would have these creeds. They would say them over and over. They didn't have screens or any of this stuff like we do now. They didn't have the internet like we do now. They didn't have the bible in several different translations and languages like we do now they didn't have full-time pastors you've got five of them at this church that you can just ask questions to now they didn't have bible colleges or seminary they didn't have right now media which you can access for free i mean and get on there and just get thousands of bible they didn't have all of this stuff but yet peter says you already got everything you need you want to know one of the reasons why i think we're stagnant we're spoiled we are spoiled Every generation that looks down at the generation after him always goes, that generation's so spoiled. <laughs> you know, right? You look at him, you're like, it's no wonder these kids are still living at home when they're 28. Like, come on, you know? When I was eight, I had to go get a job. It always gets younger and younger, right? So, I mean, it, 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 it's amazing, but we really are. We're spoiled. I mean, it's just given to us. We, we don't hunger for it because we just have so much. It's almost like an overabundance. We just have it anywhere you, you want it. If you want to go get a Bible right now, you can go on Amazon and have one tomorrow. I mean, that's how quick it is. It's amazing, yet we're spoiled because we have so much of it, and we don't even tap into it. I've been doing ministry for 20 years. Now, this might be more of a testimony about me than anything else, but I've been doing ministry for uh, for 20 years. I've only had one person in 20 years, one person ever come up to me and say, Hey, Jeremy, will you disciple me? People don't hunger for this. It's like you get it. And if you show up once a week or you show up every now and then or you pick it up every now and it's like, all right, that's good. I've had my fill. But we should have a desire, a hunger for this because this is where life is. It's spending time with Christ. It's getting in his word. It's being under discipleship of somebody. It's digging in his word and doing life together as a church, as a group. And then it also says here in verse 3, we have everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you feel called by God? You know, I picked this Bible because this Bible is the Bible that they gave me when I got ordained in 2003. And it was a special moment. They made a circle and prayed for me. They made a circle and prayed for my wife. And I got a, I got a new suit out of it. I only have one suit. And uh, that was pretty exciting. What would happen is the first church I went to, everybody wore a suit. And so I went to Goodwill. And I would just buy whatever suits were at Goodwill. And I'd have like, they'd ask me if the flood was coming. I'd have like high water pants up to here, you know, shirts that went to here. And so finally they broke down and they're like, we got to buy this kid a suit. All right, so they finally got me a suit. And I remember that in Ordain. I thought it was so special. It was a big moment. Honestly, a lot of it's just fluff. I mean, it was neat, but... You've already been called. I've already been called. The moment we gave our lives to Jesus, we've already been called. In God's infinite foreknowledge, before he even created the heavens and the earth, he looked down and he said, all right, I'm going to call you, and I'm just talking about the pastors, I'm talking about all of you that believe in Jesus, I'm gonna call you, and I'm gonna set you aside to do good works. I know you're gonna choose me, so I'm going to go ahead and call you to do good works, and I've got them laid out for you to do. Do you feel called? I think one of the remedies to stagnation is accepting the call that Jesus has put on our life, and it's probably even bigger than you've even imagined. Because in your own strength, there's not much you can do, but in his, you could do unlimited things for the Lord if he chooses to do it through you. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. I heard somebody say recently, there are over 30 thousand promises in the bible isn't that amazing you and i we've probably just stepped out on one or two of those promises okay you promised me that if i put my faith in you i'll have eternal life okay i'm gonna step out on that promise well what about the next one the next one where he's going to he already has the gifts laid out for you to do good works We can step out on that one how about the next one that if you will do what i tell you to do if you'll obey me i will bring blessings on your life how about that one how about the one where it says, if you'll read my word, you can hide it in your heart. It won't come back void. It will change your life. How about that one? There are promises upon promises that we can stand upon that are life-changing. And so he continues in verse 4 saying that, that through these promises, through them, you may participate. This is mind-blowing. Participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Participate. The word here is to partner with God. God, partner, that's like me going down to an ant, a little bitty ant on the ground saying, hey man, you wanna partner together? Let's go go do some ministry together. Like God wants to partner with me? Have you seen what I've done, God? You know what a goober I am? Like you wanna partner with me to do ministry? Why, how? I don't deserve that. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to give me his divine power and he wants me to participate in his divine nature. When we were born again, we received a spiritual birth. We now are one with Christ. We share in that divine nature. He's God, we're not. But we get to share in that with him. Wow, to think that God wants to partner with us and then we can escape the corruption in the world caused by our evil desires. But here's another reason we're stagnant. A lot of us are still living in the past. We can't escape those evil desires There are things we've struggled with for 10 years, 20 years, and it's like, why can't I escape this? Because we've not stepped out into the promises of God and left all that behind. A lot of us, another reason it's not even pointed out here in the scripture, a lot of us, we're stagnant because we're too afraid to step out on those promises. We live in fear. But as the song said, we're no longer slaves to fear. Right now, if God called you to go to a country where they would end your life for believing in him, you could go there with your head held high, knowing that the promises, if they were to end your life, you would be in eternity the second you take your last breath. Those are the kind of promises we've been given. Yet we can't even escape the little things that are holding us back. We've never made those changes. We're still living in the past. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ, so now I live corinthians he mentions the old life is gone we've put on the new life when we do a baptism up here we're showing a picture to everyone that the old jew we've taken that person and buried that person that's in the past he's gone he's buried don't you dare dig him back up yet we do dig him back up over and over and over again and we can't get closer to christ because we're still really close to the way we used to look like we live in the past but it's time to move forward into a future with God. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Now we're going to give a list of spiritual goals here in just a minute. But Peter says to make every effort to add to your faith. Remember that first step is faith. That's the bottom rung of the ladder. That's the first step in the journey. It's just the first step. But a lot of us won't even make the effort We won't even take the next step. I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm so excited that you're hearing this message. It means you're making that little bit of effort, but have you stepped on beyond this? Have you made the effort to get to know Jesus Christ on a personal level every day? Have you made the effort to step up and serve somewhere? Have you made the effort to try to share your testimony with somebody? Have you made the effort to pray and plead with God. Have you made the effort? That's what it takes. That's a way, a remedy to get past being stagnant is to just make the extra effort. So here's what I want you to do. You can write this down now. You can put it in your phone when you get home, whatever. We're going to walk through all these things that you can add on your faith. We're going to go up the rungs of the ladder. Each one adds on the other and each one gets you closer and closer to looking like Christ. Because that's the goal is to look more and more like Christ. So I'm going to go through each one, and I'm going to try to give you a practical goal. You can make your own goals. Here's where I want the goals to go. I want you to work on this goal if you can between now and the end of this year. What makes this even better is the holidays are coming up, and last year you had the excuse that you didn't have to spend time with your family because of COVID. This year you may not have that excuse. So you're going to really need to work on these things before November, Before December, right? Amen? We got to get you ready to get closer to Christ because they're going to try to pull you away from being closer to Christ. They're going to drive you crazy. So take note, make some goals. First one, he says, add on to your faith goodness. Our first goal is to add more goodness into our life. This word here, goodness, is moral excellence. Moral excellence. What is something in my life that I don't feel like is morally excellent right now? Maybe it is the things that you watch. Maybe it's the things that you listen to. I was talking to Pastor Jason last night. He was in my driveway because he had left his dog with us uh, for the evening. And he was telling me back in the day when Snow White came out in movie theaters, uh, kids were so afraid that they wet themselves when they saw The Witch, right? When we see that now, we're kind of like, eh. I mean, like our kids watch the craziest things now. We've kind of gotten desensitized To it, But the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, they're harming us more than we even know. So where is a step that you can take to be morally better? Maybe it's in your speech. Maybe you think, well, because of my freedom in Christ, I can say what I want whenever I want. I can make crude jokes. I'm an adult. I can do this. None of that looks like Jesus. When I was younger and I used to teach, I used to have this little thing I would do where I would tell somebody. I'd say, all right. You know, imagine you're riding in the car with your best friend, right? You guys got the radio on. You're probably listening to whatever music you want to, right? But imagine the pastor gets in the car. So you got Pastor Brooks in your car, right? So you probably turn on the oldies. All right, so you got Pastor Brooks in your car. And at that point, you're probably like, well, I'm not going to listen to this. You know, we're going to listen to something, you know, maybe a little bit better. But imagine if Jesus got in your car, man, like Jesus is right next to you, like Jesus is after, he's alive, and you see him on the side of the road, sandals and all, and you're like, Jesus, get in. You're like, yeah, I've been sitting here listening to preaching all morning, had it set to, you know, uh, his love radio. This is great, right? Yeah. But isn't Jesus always with you? We've got angels with us all the time. Can you imagine the things we're subjecting them to all the time? Where is an area of your life that you need some goodness, you need some moral Excellence could even be in your reactions, the way you react to things. But where are some things that you need more moral excellence? Make that a goal, God. Help me in this area to be better. The next one to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge. Knowledge. I mentioned we've got so much that we can get into now. If you want that access to like right now media, there's thousands of Bible studies. We've got free access. You can go to FBCIslands.com, click on it. You can watch whatever you want. But maybe you want to do something like audit a seminary course. Maybe you want to pick up a book. Maybe you want to join a grow group. Maybe you want to find somebody you can, that's spiritually stronger than you, and you can say, hey, will you mentor me? Could we walk through the scriptures together once a week, once a month, every other week, whenever we can? Maybe it is a smaller group, like a D group, like three or four people like, hey, I need to grow. I remember when we started D group several years ago, I heard a guy at our church say, I have never read the Bible this much in my life. And that was the most exciting thing I heard that entire year. I thought, wow, just to know people are getting in their Bibles more because they're accountable to other people, like grow in your knowledge of him. Grow in your knowledge of him. Spend time with him every day. Get to know him better. Get to know his word better. There's so many resources out there. Make a goal right now. All right, here's my goal. I'm going to read this book in the Bible. Here's my goal. I'm going to ask this person to join me in reading the Bible. Here's my goal. I'm going to do an online Bible study. I'm going to find something. I'm going to join a group. Go ahead and make that another one of your goals. All right, so the next goal, adding on to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. There are so many things in this world that control us, and it may not even be sinful things. I've got one right here my phone. This thing controls me sometimes. I could be spending time with my kids, and we'll just be sitting there and I'll be like, I do no, see what's going on. Why? I don't even know why sometimes I pick this thing up. It's like a drug. Maybe for you it is more like a drug or a substance or alcohol or something that's gotten control over you. Maybe it's your emotions. You have no control over your emotions. You have no self-control. You just say whatever you want to say. And you're like, well, that's just the way God made me. No, he changed you to be more like Christ. You're not that person anymore. You can show a little bit of self-control. So what is an area right now in your life you need to show some more control? For me, it would be my phone. I need to put this thing down more. I need to control it, not it control me. Next one, from self-control, add on perseverance. Now, to perseverance, that would be more like just getting through the hardships of life. But I'm going to flip the script a little bit. For this goal, I want it to be, what's something you're doing right now that you should not give up? What's something you're doing right now you should not give up? So, for instance, attending. Maybe you just got back to attending. Maybe this is your first time in a long time. I know with COVID, it's made it where people used to attend a couple times a month. Now they attend maybe once a month, maybe less than that. Kind of gotten out of the habit. But what's something you've started doing in your faith that you need to persevere, you need to keep doing? Maybe you've been a part of like our Wednesday night ministry with our kids. You start doing daily quiet times with the kids and you're like, whew, this is every morning. Don't give up. Keep doing that. Maybe you joined a group. Maybe you started reading your Bible. Just keep Going. Don't give up. Maybe you've gotten behind in it. Okay. So what? Tomorrow's a new day. Get back into it. What's something well that's going on right now that you're doing that you can keep doing that you should not give up? Make that a goal. Let's keep going. And to perseverance. Add godliness. Godliness. Now this one I really had to research. I've heard of godliness and when I think of being godly, you know, I just think of being good. And the word goodliness and, and or goodness and godliness they look alike they sound alike so i'm like well if you're good then you're probably godly right like they're kind of one and the same this is a little bit different what i found out that godliness in the new testament is your response to god that god gets in every part of your life and so no matter if somebody says something to you the wrong way or something happens to you you're so intoxicated with God. You know, Paul talks about not being drunk with wine, but being drunk with the Holy Spirit. You're so filled with the Spirit that nobody can even shake you because you just, you're just holy. You're just godly. So for this one, make it a goal of something to do with your heart, with your attitude. Pastor Adam did a five for five this past Friday on being grateful. Maybe that's something you need to add on to your life as a form of godliness. It's just being grateful for all that God's given you. Because that changes your attitude. My wife has this thing sometimes she'll do with close friends where if they're complaining about things or struggling, she'll say, you know, I want you to, you know, write down every day five things that you're grateful for. And it's got to be something different every day. And people will come back and they'll say, you know what, that worked. That worked. Because being grateful to God changes your attitude. It makes you more godly. So what is a goal that you can do to get your attitude right? To become more godly. And to godliness, we add brotherly kindness. So all these first several steps of the ladder, they're all working on you to make you more like the image of Christ. But now you're going to take that to the next level. What can I do for somebody in my church? This is a Philadelphia is what it's saying, this word, like brotherly love. Somebody that's in my community of faith, somebody that belongs to Christ. Who's somebody right now in this room, in this church maybe they're not here today wherever and you say you know what i need to reach out to them i want to write them a card and tell them how grateful i am for them maybe it's your sunday school teacher whoever maybe it's somebody in this church that you think you know what i haven't seen in a long time who's somebody i need to reach out to who's somebody that's struggling i can take a meal i can take a gift who's somebody that i can show some love to because that leads us into the next one and the final one brotherly kindness when we add that on the next one is love, and to brotherly kindness, love. This is an agape kind of love. It's a love that seeks the highest for the other person. It's a love that comes from Jesus. It's a love not only for those within your church, but it's a love for those outside of your church. When you reach this level in your spiritual walk with Christ, when you look more and more like Jesus, you have so much love that people in the world, when they do things that are sinful, when they do things that drive you crazy, you don't look at them with anger. You look at them with love and compassion Your heart breaks for them. You want to help them. I mean, God, Jesus could have so easily looked down upon us and been like, I'm not even dealing with them. But out of his great love for us, he laid down his life. Who's somebody you can lay down your life for to point them to Jesus? Let's keep reading. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities, all those that we just walked through, in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Here's some results of being stagnant. Ineffective. Unproductive. Now, I don't know if we still have it on the screen, but I had a picture earlier of a treadmill. And it's funny. Uh, Sherry Chaffin was sitting here, and she was cleaning uh, this room. And this picture popped on screen while I was getting prepared for this. And she said, oh, I've got one of those stuck in my house I haven't used in years. And I was like, that's why I got it on the screen. That's the exact same point. I had one of these stuck in my house for a long time I mean, an elliptical machine. I remember my dad when I was younger, he had one of these bikes. Everybody's always excited when they first get these things. And then they get shoved to the corner of the house and they become ineffective and unproductive. <laughs> it's like this thing is just taking up space. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the, the weak leak in the chain at the church that just says, yeah, I'm the ineffective and unproductive one. <laughs> I'm so stuck in the past. I'm so stuck in being a spiritual infant that I've just, you can't count on me to do anything. You know, a couple weeks ago I was telling Brooks, I came in here to get uh, things ready, and we've been without our facilities director for a couple of weeks, and I noticed all the trash laying around the building. And I thought, People can't even throw away their own trash, like you just expect us to do everything? <laughs> I mean, we really are spoiled, aren't we? Oh, they got people that'll clean up. Well, they got pastors that will reach people. I don't have to do that. They got pastors there that'll do that. Really? Our job's to get you to do it. <laughs> That's the whole reason we're supposed to be working ourselves out of a job. But what happens is we get, in, we get ineffective and unproductive. We're like that treadmill, and we get on the treadmill, we're really not going anywhere. I'm just right where I started. It's kind of crazy. I don't want to be that. I want to be effective. I want to be productive for the Lord. Verse 9, we have to hurry. But if anyone does not have them, those things we talked about, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Meaning, you're so spiritually blind, you look just like somebody in the world. You're just as blind as an unsaved person. All you worry about are the things of this earth. All you worry about is the ladder you're climbing in your corporate world. All you're worried about is what you're going to do after this sermon. All you're worried about is this day. You're nearsighted. You're spiritually blind if you don't have these qualities, if you don't grow in Christ. But God wants us to have an eternal view of things, to look beyond what's right in front of us. And when we get nearsighted and blind, we forget where we were, we forget that big picture. We're ungrateful. That's another reason why we're stagnant, is we're ungrateful. And we don't remember what God has chosen us from. I was at a little Bible college called Fruitland Bible Baptist Institute. I don't even know if I'm saying that in the right order. And um, we had this professor there. He scared me to death. His name was Dr. Kenneth Writings. He was the president of the Bible college. I'll never forget, the classes were early, like at 7 a.m. And one day I fell asleep during class. And he used to have this move he would do. He'd snake bite you. He'd look at you and say, you know, this. And it scared me so much. I was a young guy. And I fell asleep and I heard him say, Jeremy or Mr. Young, you know, and he did that. And I looked up and I saw that snake bite coming at me. I and mean, he was like 20 feet away. And he was like, I wrote this thing just, I wrote this lesson just for you this morning. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm waking up, you know. And, uh, but this guy, every time somebody got up to preach, and it could be boring, it could be dry, whatever. Every time somebody got up to preach, this guy was crying. Every time. I thought, man, that's a really emotional dude. He was like one of the toughest guys I ever met. You know why he was crying every time? Because he never forgot what God saved him from. And every time somebody presented the message, he always said, I just can't believe God saved me. I just can't believe God chose me. Just tears going down his eyes. He was grateful every day of his life. That's what made him so much like the image of Christ. Let's wrap up with these last two verses, 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager... To make your calling and your election sure. Remember, God knew you before you even were created. He knew you would belong to him. So he's already set aside good works for you. For if you do these things, you will never fall. doesn't mean you won't ever sin. It just means you won't fall. We've got so many people who are just falling. Pastors, leaders all over the nation, just morally falling. Why? Because they're not growing in the image of Christ every day. You can do this job that we do and not grow one bit. You can. Pastor Brooks, he doesn't do this because I've seen him on a day-to-day basis, but he could come up here every Sunday and preach to you and never grow in his relationship with Christ because it's a job. But the calling on his life is to be a servant of the Lord that spends time with him and gets to know him daily. And that's your calling because when you get to know God so much daily, it literally overflows out of your life and you start making a difference in other people's lives. Verse 11, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but I want to walk into heaven with my head held high. Not because of anything I've done, but because Christ did a whole bunch through me. I want to store up so many treasures in heaven that they've got dump trucks trying to figure out where to put all this stuff, right? So many of us, as I mentioned before, we're nearsighted. We're just focused on the things of this world and trying to store up everything we can in this world. We can't take anything with us out of this world. But a lot of us, as Paul mentions in Corinthians, we're going to barely escape the fire. We're just going to barely escape, get into heaven. And some of us are going to be sad when we get there going, I brought nothing. I didn't bring anything. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. I want to show up and God say, well done. Look at all the things that you let me do through you. All because you humbled yourself and you took an eternal view and you forgot about the things of this world and you grew closer to me. We need to take that next step. I don't know where you're at in the ladder. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ, how close you are to getting closer to Christ. Don't get stagnant. Don't stall out now. Don't get stuck. Take the next step today. Resolve that the rest of this year will be an opportunity to set those goals and grow closer and closer to Christ. If you set those goals, find somebody to keep you accountable to them. Send them to me. You can email me. It's jeremy at fbcis.com. Email me and say, here's my goals. Will you help me stay accountable to them? God wants you to grow he doesn't want you to stop. He doesn't want you to stall out. He wants you to walk in with your head held high into his kingdom saying, God, look what you did. Maybe today you need to take that first step, that step into asking Jesus to come in your life. You've never even taken that step. Like, I'm, I'm so lost, I don't even know where to go. Well, let me tell you, the first step is so easy. You just got to prop your foot on that ladder. It's just stepping off the ground saying, God, I trust you to hold me. I can't do this life on my own. I've made so many mistakes, so many sins. I know they keep me from you. But I know you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe in him, and I accept what he did. And I'm calling on his name right now in my heart my mind. I'm calling on him and asking him to come in my life and change me. If you do that today, please tell us about it. We want to know. We'll be so excited for you. We want to help you on your journey. Wherever you're at, we want to help you. So wherever you're at right now, I just want you to pray and talk to God. During this closing prayer, during the final song, just say, God, show me where to grow. I want to be productive and effective for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, for you, for your power, for your nature, for your goodness, for all these things that you are and you want to do it in and through us. We've got so much. There's no excuse for any of us not to be continuing on in our journey to look more and more like Jesus. You don't give up on us, though. No way. You love us so much, you're going to keep pursuing us. You're going to keep on us. No matter what we've done, no matter many times we've messed up. Your mercies are new every morning. Today is a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. It's a new chance if we've messed up to set those mistakes aside and just to follow you with all that we have. Lord, help us accept the challenge of your word today, God, from the Bible and help us to grow closer to you, and help us to be productive and effective for your kingdom, and watch what you can do. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray.